listening to Black Girls Blade, a podcast dedicated to Black women in the permanent makeup industry who's ready to level up in business, unlock the keys to success, and grow your empire. Every other week, we will talk about education, business strategies, product recommendations, and artist interviews. I'm your host, Keisha Taylor. Now let's get started. On today's episode of Black Girls Blade, we are speaking with Felicia Sams, owner of Academy of Advanced Cosmetics located in Georgia. The Academy of Advanced Cosmetics was Georgia's first and only licensed tattoo training academy. Let's welcome Felicia Sams to Black Girls Blade. I am Felicia Sams, the owner of Academy of Advanced Cosmetics. I've been in the permanent makeup industry now for about 15, 16 years, a long time. When I first got started, it was a little taboo, wasn't as popular as it is now. I was just really someone who was a background of having a makeup artistry background and was wanting to get my brows done (laughs) and found a woman who was doing it. And I literally convinced her to take me on as an apprentice. And it really just kind of started from there. Wow, that's awesome. So 15 years in the industry? Yes. Oh, girl, you was back like back there before any of us. (laughs) Yeah, I started when I was five. Yeah. (laughs) I know, right? (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? That is so cool. So how would you say the industry changed from 15 years ago to now? Oh, Jesus, it has really changed. When I first got started, um, here in Atlanta, I think there was like maybe four, five of us. We all kind of knew each other. And of course, they all knew me because I was the only black one out of everybody. So it was not that many people. And it was very small circles. And it was a lot of convincing clients to do the service because they had no idea of what it was. So it was a hard sell. Um, You're telling somebody, you know, I want to do eyebrows, tattoo brows, tattoo liner, lips. They were just kind of looking like, "Mm, I don't know about that. So it was just a lot harder. Of course, there wasn't like your Instagram and your Facebook. It was just old fashioned, get out, talk to people, network. Just a lot harder to market, but I appreciate the way I started because I believe it really taught me to just get out and be up front and just talk to people about what I do. And it kind of paid off that way. Yes, for sure. Like people don't understand like that old school marketing, you know, it do yeah. go a long way. I know. Like mm-hmm. I still use those tactics like there because they work, <laughs> you know, yes. they work. You know, yes. as much as we love social media, it's some people that's not very social either. So. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So just over the years, you know, it's evolved now in the social media. So, of course, I'm like, OK, let me learn. Get on that. And that's been helpful. But you can't really get away from just basic interaction because what we do is we work with people. So mm-hmm. we should know how to communicate and work with them. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> All yeah. right. 
Yes. So you have specialized training Mm -hmm. and that's in the, I know you have a whole bunch of training, so we'll go through that, but I know you have specialized training in paramedical tattoo. Can you tell us what this is and what does it consist of? Yes. So when I first was getting started, I started basic cosmetic tattooing and then I got into paramedical because I was having so many clients that were having skin issues or trying to cover up certain imperfections. And it led me to doing the service and then also now training and teaching the service. So paramedical tattooing is not as common. A lot of people don't know about it, but it's starting to get popular. But really what it is, is it's essentially implanting pigment into the dermis to kind of camouflage those imperfections like scars, um, stretch marks, even certain vitiligo spots. We do a lot of like the tummy tuck scars, you know, Mm -hmm. everybody getting those out here in Atlanta and we cover those up. So a lot of that camouflaging and Throughout the years, I've kind of come up with my own techniques on how to work with certain skin types and how to do it, what to do, what not to do. A lot of people don't understand, but, you know, our skin is much different and it's more complex than others. So having gone through the trial and errors on how to work with our skin with camouflage, it's like really developed our courses and how we teach. And it's made us really popular for scar camouflage because we break everything down from basic anatomy to, I mean, intense color theory, because essentially that's really what it's about is about the color theory on how to actually cover up a canvas, but not hurt it. And then most importantly, making sure that that person is a good candidate in the first place, because everybody's really not. Yes, I guess, you know, like if you have stretch marks that are deep or Uh just on the surface, would that determine if you're a good candidate? Yes. Yep, exactly. Like how old the stretch mark is, is important. The color, because you know, some people have like really light stretch marks and then you have some that have really deep, dark, purple like stretch marks. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that could determine whether you are a candidate or not. And then how old your scar is like, you know, you can't be like fresh out of surgery and like, oh, now I want to get this covered. You know, that doesn't really work that way. So we teach a lot of qualifying a candidate on being a good client. And if our solution isn't the best solution, then I try to educate my students on what solution to give them. And it may not have anything to do with scar camouflage. It might be something, it may be laser. It might be some type of cortisone shots to flatten the scar. It might be a lot of different things, microneedling. It might be a slew of things because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that we improve the scar and not hurt the scar. Yeah, that's important because scarring, you know, of course, the tissue is the way different from skin that is not scarred. Yes, so, yeah. Yes, so, I yes. mean, just by doing, you know, permanent makeup, period, and you're mm-hmm. going over a scar, the texture is different. Sometimes scars hurt more. Like, I mean, I have stretch yes. marks. They, they are so old, but 
they itch, you know, sometimes. Oh, and yes. I'm like, my son is 28. Like, this is what he, <laughs> why are they still itch? Oh, my <laughs> gosh. And you know, see, and that's the thing about stretch marks. I always tell people, like, some people are like, well, is the scar camouflage really popular? I'm like, now, how many people do you know that don't have stretch marks? I mean, I don't care how small, big, whatever they are. You can have the skinniest person with stretch marks. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, so everybody is almost a good candidate. You know, th- that could potentially be a candidate for something like that because we all have them, you know? Yes, you know, we all have them. them. Thanks to Instagram and the filters, we don't for like five <laughs> minutes. But- <laughs> It's like, we got the stretch marks. (laughs) We got the scars too. Yes. So I do feel like that's something that, you know, most women face is the stretch marks. I mean, my daughter's 16 and she's small and she still has stretch marks. You know, she just look at her like, yeah, yeah, just, you know, all right, well, (laughs) it is what it is. (laughs) It is, is. you know, we women, we have so many things that we deal with. And then, you know, stretch marks is one and surgery is popular now and people are getting surgery. And the thing people don't understand is that when you have surgery, especially cosmetic surgery, it leaves scars. So mm-hmm. you're fixing one thing, but then you're causing another thing to happen. And you're like, okay, I don't want that either. Right. You have to pick your poison. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right, right, right. So how would you say the relation between, say, and cosmetic surgery or how close is the relationship between cosmetic surgery and paramedical tattooing? It is very, very close. And when I first got started, what really got me busy was me reaching out to cosmetic surgeons, telling them about who I was, what I did, and partnering with them. So what you really want to do is you want to offer a solution to that practitioner that, okay, you start in the beginning, you do the surgery, you see these clients, but once they get to the point of healing, then you can send them to me and I can fix whatever imperfections they may have. And the beauty of having that relationship is that I know that that scar is already qualified. I know because they've come from their physician, their physician will give the green light when it's okay. If there, God forbid, there's any type of hyperpigmentation or keloid or any type of possibility of keloid, that surgeon's going to let you know. So having that relationship is, I find is, is super important, not just to get your clients, but then also to make sure that the client that you have is well taken care of. They feel comfortable. I feel comfortable because I feel confident. I know that we're going to do the right thing for them. And how it benefits the surgeon too, is that they can offer like a total turnkey solution to cosmetic surgery, you know, breast implants, you know, they usually make that cut or like any type of lifts. It's like that lollipop scar. So they all have scars. So they're in the same boat of doing a consultation with someone. And that patient is saying, you know, I want a mommy makeover and I want all this stuff done. And that surgeon has to explain to them, okay, we can do all this stuff, but you're going to have these, these cuts and these scars. And they're like, "Eh." and they're like, but here's the thing. 
here's the solution. We can refer you to XYZ place and then they can take care of that for you. And it's so it's a win-win on both sides. Wow. So say if someone has a C-section and mm-hmm. or I guess maybe a tummy tuck or what do you uh, abdominal plasty? Let me get uh-huh. technical. And ah, they have a, right? <laughs> and they have a scar. Mm-hmm. Um, what would be your position with that scar? Will you flatten it out a little more, make it mm-hmm. a little bit more invisible? Like yes. what would your part be? Yes. So my main thing is I always say the best scar to work on is a flat scar. Because if you think of like anything, like say you're like even someone's like someone's face and let's say someone has acne or pitted scars or any type of bumps or any razors on the skin. And they're like, oh, okay, I want to come in and I want to get my face, want to get makeup artistry done and get all this makeup. Well, you can cover that imperfection, but you still see the lumps and the bumps and all that stuff. So it doesn't look as smooth. But Mm -hmm. same thing with a scar. If a scar is slightly raised or bumpy or has grooves and you're just putting pigment on top, I mean, it'll cover a little bit, but it's still not going to be smooth. And to me, that equals not as natural. So the first step we do after qualifying it is to work on smoothing that scar out. So there's several different ways and several different things that we can do to smooth that scar out before we even get to the actual camouflaging of the scar. So we might meet with the client quite a few sessions before we even get to putting the pigment on to camouflage that scar. So it's um, so I always tell clients, you got to be patient. It's really not like an overnight thing. And if someone tries to sell it to you like that, that's not really the best solution for you. It may be the best solution for them, but it's really not the best long-term solution for you. So we kind of, we really take care of it, like totally from flattening to eventually camouflaging and making sure that it's healthy and making sure that it's capable to be able to be worked on. Because, you know, you work on the wrong person. I mean, I've seen horror stories of people where like they they try to self-teach themselves how to do this stuff. Mm-mm. And yeah, I know. It's crazy. <laughs> I have seen it. Matter of fact, we were correcting some other stuff with someone went and some, I don't know, somebody did something to her and tried to cover some stretch marks and they looked like tiger stripes. And they were like dark, dark black almost. Oh no. Yes. Yes. I don't know what, what happened, but I mean, I don't know what the person used, but I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad. So and that see, we yes, that's yeah. And see, the thing is, like people, like especially like women who have who have kids and have stretch marks and mm-hmm. like had these stretch marks for, like I said, I've had mine for like twenty eight years because that's oh. my oldest child. So you get attached to that on your body. So mm-hmm. now you're going to get something else. You know, you got to learn how to let that part go. Because that's been attached. So like psychologically, it's been attached to your body. It's like, oh, well, you know, uh, do I want a scar? You know, it's Mm -hmm. like you already have scars, but Mm -hmm. you are so attached because stretch marks, they're scars. But you are so attached 
to those stretch marks because they've been on your body for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess like if I saw my body without the stretch marks, I would be like, oh my God, like, who- <laughs> oh. <laughs> like where'd it go? You know, you know what I'm saying? So that's like another issue to tackle. <laughs> oh my gosh. I know. And you know, some people's stretch marks are very, very minimal. Right. Um, so it may not be worth, you know, the risk of, if you're someone, because, you know, unfortunately, with more ethnic skin, darker fits, we're more prone to hyperpigmentation. So that's part of the reason why I like to go slow and build up. It's just to avoid those things. And if you're someone that, you know, happens to hyperpigmentate, it, I am very honest with people and I'll tell them this isn't for you. It's just not Mm -hmm. worth it. It's really not worth it. Right. Well, I'm glad you're honest with people because I know people Mm -hmm. come in there with very high expectations as they do with everything else. Oh, I know you know. Yes. You're going to make me perfect, right? Right. I know. (laughs) It's like, uh uh-uh. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. (laughs) Perfection is not guaranteed. Even a cosmetic (laughs) surgeon can't guarantee perfection. Yes. We can enhance, you know, make it look a little bit better. But Mm -hmm. perfection, I try to always say, stay away from that word when people come in be like, oh, yeah, I want perfect brows. I want to be perfect. I have to like stop them right then and there and be like, okay, all right. But we Uh, can't, yeah, perfection is very hard to achieve. Like, it's no one that's perfect. (laughs) No, no, no one is perfect. And I definitely, I have to tell even my students too, because, and you know, as you know, when they're, you have somebody and they're just getting started, they take everything to heart. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, oh my gosh, I can't do this, or this client is complaining, or that client is complaining. I always tell them you do everything that you know is right and you know that is good for them. And if you've done that and you've done everything that you need to do, you know, some people honestly will just not ever be satisfied. I'll tell you with working with a lot of um, plastic surgeons and one of my really good friends is a surgeon. And like she says, there's certain people she just won't work on because body dysmorphia is real and they just will never be satisfied. Mm-hmm. So you just got to turn away certain people. Sometimes I always say all money ain't good money. <laughs> right. That is true. That is facts right there. All money yes. ain't good money. All mm-hmm. money ain't right for you. You know, That's sometimes right. you do have to turn it down. Mm-hmm. Um Yes, that's awesome. Okay, so who or what inspired you to get into this industry? Oh, you know, it was, I would say, okay, so when I was younger before and I wanted to get my brows done, it really wasn't anything I was like, okay, I wanted to get into this. I was interested in it, but it was after working like more corporate and going in that little rat race. I worked with my mom. She had a business. It was a technology business, completely different from this. And she was doing technology security and she was working for public schools doing contract work. And I was doing that and I thought that was going to be my path, but I realized like, I just, this is not me. And I was 
searching. I was like, really like, I need to do something that is fulfilling to me, something that is creative and something that will allow me to have the time and flexibility to be able to make my own schedule and then one day be able to start my own family. So I was just really, really searching and looking and my mom's friend had recently gotten her brows and had a lip procedure done. I was like, wow, that's really cool. I like that. And she flew all the way to Arizona from Atlanta. And I'm like, she went to Phoenix all the way just to get this done. And I'm like, who is this? What is going on? And she broke it down and was telling me about the lady and what she did and her services and her place. And I'm like, wow, this is something, you know, I might be interested in. And so I researched it and then I found somebody who was doing eyebrows. And I said, well, what I'm going to do is get the service done, see how I like it. And if this is something I can do, then I might pursue it. And I went, I got the service done and like, I just on a whim was like, Hey, you know, well, where did you get your training? How do you learn this? And, you know, back then it was like, well, you know, I think it was like two places. One was somewhere in Texas and one was a place in California. And she was telling me she went to the spot in Texas. And I was like, well, do you train? And she was like, well, I can just show you a few things. You can work an apprentice with me possibly. And I was working full time. So mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm not going to have time to do that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to make it work. So I literally was like, okay, I'm going to work my full time job. I'm going to do this on the side and I'm going to make it work. And I just started just to try it out a little bit. I did a little bit here, worked with her. I literally went from just doing brows. Like she was just like, okay, just map some eyebrows and then I'll come in and I'll do the rest. And I'm like, okay. So I would do that. And then she was like, okay, well, I'm going to let you just do a pass or two. Okay. I'll do that. The next thing you know, I'm like, I'm doing all the work. <laughs> I mean, I was right. like, she was, was sitting like, back. Look, let me sit down. Right. Yes, I'm telling you, she was. She was like gone. She was down the street. She was <laughs> having lunch with friends. I'm working. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I that's like right. This. She like, you know, I found somebody good. She sure did. She sure <laughs> did. She got. She. Oh my gosh. But you know, it's so amazing because I look back at that and I'm like. You know, I really I'm glad I started like that because I feel like I got so much hands on. And, you know, when you first get started, you're always nervous. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm by myself. Like, what am I going to do? But even though she really wasn't there, but I felt like she was, you know, accessible. If I (laughs) call me if something (laughs) happened. Exactly. (laughs) So it was cool. And then I found like a true passion and a true love for it. And. I decided, okay, you know, I'm just going to go and open up a small little space. And I still didn't quit my job because I'm like, oh, you know, I'm going to still wait a little bit. So Mm -hmm. I was still doing both. And I had like a little small, I'm talking about tiny salon suite. That's why I tell everybody when they're like, oh, well, I got to get started. And oh my gosh, I'm going to do that. I'm like, look. I did not start off in this big space. My space was the size, let me tell you, it was almost of a broom closet. It was so small. I mean, it was so... Right. I I still got pictures today that I just keep on my phone just to humble myself. I'm like, look, girl, you see where you started? Yes. Yeah. Like, look at this. Yes. Look at this. (laughs) It was like, 
I mean, it was supposed to be like a little spot for like somebody to do nails. And that was it. And uh, that was the only spot they had available. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to take this and I'm going to make this work. I squeeze that little bed in there. I just told my clients, when you come in, you just need to turn to the side, squeeze <laughs> the right, and lay on down, right. and don't move. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Well, then, yeah, then they shouldn't be moving, right? <laughs> exactly. So that kept them still. So, yeah, I sure did. So I just really took a liking, and I honestly just grew just a little bit here and just kept on and just did it and did it. And then after about... I was just doing it for about 10, uh, maybe nine, 10 years. Then that's when I started getting into training because then I was finding people like me asking me, well, where do you go get trained? And I'm like, mm-hmm. uh, well, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Especially back right. then out here, it was no place to go. So yeah, kind of how I fell into this industry. But yes, yeah, so I love it though. Yes, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, I'm so glad you you had your little space and then you advanced. So how long were you in the small space before you moved to a bigger location? Um, I finished my full year lease. So I would tell you, yeah, so I did the full year. And then after that first year, I got a bigger space. It was another salon suite, but then I did like the double suite. Mm-hmm. And, and then I did that for about a year. And then that's when I got a like more of a freestanding space. And okay. um, I was there for a while until so I started the school Academy of Advanced Cosmetics. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you move up gradually, like year yep. after mm-hmm. year, you kind of just expanded. Did you have other employees there with you, like after your first year? Yes, yes. So once I got from this salon suite type thing and I moved into like a freestanding spot, I created, which um, I had my med spot. I decided I was going to go more medical because mm-hmm. I knew things were catching on with the scar camouflage and I do areola repigmentation. So my whole dream and desire was I was going to, my main thing was going to be working with plastic surgeons. They were referring to me, I'm referring back and I wanted to make a place that felt more like a, a medical spa. So I got a medical director and I had a nurse. They were doing injectables. We were doing like lasers. We did all that stuff. And then I was the one who did permanent makeup and, but yeah, but everything else was more aesthetics. And then Mm -hmm. my spot was doing permanent makeup and he did that for quite a while. And with having that medical director on board, it was very helpful for me because I mean, I learned so much just about the skin and what works and about the surgery that goes on too, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, just having that person to depend on and lean on. And, and it's crazy because even to this day, you know, she's still my medical director here at Academy of Advanced Cosmetics. I know that's right. That's what you call a great relationship. Yes, she (laughs) She is still with me today. I told her she ain't going nowhere. So Exactly. Yes. So she's amazing. So she still provides that level of education to, you know, all of us, really. 
you know? Right. I know in the state of Maryland, like in order to provide some services such as like Botox and stuff, you do need Mm -hmm. another medical professional on board versus regular aesthetics. Right. Yep, yeah. or, you know, laser or anything like that. You have to be under the care of a physician and, you know, you know, people be doing stuff, but technically oh, you're not supposed to be doing it unless yeah. you have that direction from that medical doctor or yeah. a licensed nurse that's allowed to operate within that realm. Right. Same here, but, you know, like you said, but they do what they want to do. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, let's talk about the Academy of Advanced Cosmetics. Can you tell our listeners what that is and what you Mm -hmm. provide there? So the Academy of Advanced Cosmetics, we are a training academy for cosmetic tattooing as well as other aesthetic type services, more like lashes and brows. But our cosmetic tattooing portion, we do from uh, brows, microblading, ombre machine, lips, liner. We do paramedical, which goes under scar, areola repigmentation, as well as uh, scalp micropigmentation. And the school itself, I always tell people, you know, they look at it like, you know, well, you know, you, you own the school, but I'm not the only trainer here. I have had a background and I have provided all these services, but I do believe in bringing in other trainers who specialize in certain areas to also train. So it's myself and about maybe four right now, I have about four, five, I forgot, Rolando, five trainers that also specialize and train from my guy, Rolando, who does scalp micropigmentation and Tierra is our main person who's over like director of education and she does pretty much a lot of the services But then we have like lash instructors and henna brow instructors. But what we try to do is we try to provide these trainings for people who are looking to mainly start um, businesses in this industry and they may not have the desire to spend two, four, six years college time, but they have a true gift. And we show them how to get there through cosmetic tattooing and aesthetic services. So that's ultimately what we do. Our school provides um, a lot of hands-on and a lot of alumni services. So it's my main goal to always be there as far as um, we do lifetime trainings. We have model day. So, you know, a student might have been with us two, three years ago. And she's like, well, I want to come back and get more hands-on training. They come to us and we'll do model days. So we do those like a couple times a month. And it's just come back, do a model. We work with you. We help you. We just try to keep a really good tight knit support system because it's really important to me and my artists, as well as my trainers also share this passion that we don't just train them how to do something, but we train them the right way 
We give them all the tools that they need to be successful. We put it all on them. So when they leave, it is all on them because we've given them everything they need. We've given them the time. We've given them the training. We've given them the equipment. We've given them the knowledge. We've even helping them with their business skills. So we just want to make sure that we've done everything correct so that they can ultimately be successful in what they have going on and what they want to do. That's awesome. That's what we do too. We try to provide them with everything that they need. So when they leave, it's on them and all they have to do is get started, you know, and then if they don't get started, it's like, girl, I ain't get started. Come back on in here. Like, you know, (laughs) you know, most of the time it's fear, you know, fear of not knowing. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, you got to put yourself out there for sure. But we, we do try to take the questions out of what do I do next? Um, but we we try to be there for uh-huh, try to be there for our students. You know, always, no matter what, because they're your students, they're your babies. You know, they're going right. to go out here and represent your company. So exactly. that's the beautiful part of you can't leave them hanging if they're representing you. You know, and you know what? And that's my thing too. I will always. So that's why I'm always like, why would someone like just want to train somebody? just to be training them, they go out and then they just perform like this really bad work. Cause I'm like, eventually they're going to be like, where, you know, the first thing I'll say, where did you get your training from? That is so funny. That is so funny. But then, you know, you have those students, girl, you didn't did everything that you oh, did and they girl, still go out here and be 10 people oh, up. It's like, oh, mm. I know. <laughs> you know what? I start to be able to figure out who that's going to be like, yes, like, like immediately. Like, yes, no. Like, yes, I already yeah. know too. It's like yes. as soon uh-huh. as that first question come up, yes. it's like, okay, that's the yep. one. That's she the, the one. one. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. I don't that care is what so you do, funny. What you say yes, <laughs> it ain't gonna work. It's not gonna yes. work. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that is funny. It's so recognizable. That's terrible. <laughs> I know it's terrible, but it's so true. It's true. It's, so it's like true. going on a job interview. They know you're not going to be yes. right for that job. Yes. Even though they're questioning you, they know yes. as soon as you introduce oh, yourself, if you're going to get that God. job or not. Yes. And you're so right about fear. That's why I'm always talking to them about like, you have to get out of your fear because I, it's like, I have a couple of students that I'm like, I honestly have one particular student that she took a class with me in 2017 and she still will not work on anybody. <laughs> no. And she probably like, keep wanting to take classes, right? She keeps yeah. wanting to take classes. <laughs> yes. I'm like, Look, I am not going to even take your money. You cannot, until you do something on your own and step out of yourself, I am not. I just can't. <laughs> right. Because it's another issue going on. Like she right. has to tackle that issue first so that exactly. she can move forward and be successful in the industry. <laughs> That is right. so funny. I yes. Know. Oh wow. my gosh, that you feel my pain. <laughs> I do. I do. I love it. I I love it. I love being able. I love being able to look at people and like, okay. But I just love what I do. Just like you love what you do. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. It's uh, really changed my life as I'm sure it has changed yours. Yes, absolutely. Um, 
Can you tell our listeners about some of the, I know we talked about classes, but I know you have services as well, Mm -hmm. some of the special services that you offer. So we actually offer all the cosmetic tattooing services that we train for. So it's either myself or Tierra that's here, mainly here at our studio that does the services. So mainly I focus a majority of my services on doing the scar and areola. And Tierra, she does the same too, but she focuses a lot as well on like cosmetic tattooing as far as brows and so forth. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, we do. We also offer this to clients and also some students who may want to get it done. Cause I'm always telling them like, look, if you are, offering a service, you should get it done. Even if you don't Mm -hmm. get it done by us, partner up with one another, you know, be a client of theirs, but get it done. So you know how it feels. Um, You know what to expect. And it's just the overall better experience. It's going to make you a better artist. So yeah, so we always try to continuously offer, give the services and um, be able to do that. And then I still have some of the relationships with the plastic surgeon. So I never want to ruin those. So if someone calls and says, Dr. So-and-so referred me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get you in. Because <laughs> yes. you, know, you just never know when you may need somebody. Yes. And that referral connection is important as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So what would you say is your most requested procedure? Oh, it's interesting because it has this moment. I would say right now it's probably been lips and that's so mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. That's so weird, but it's been lips like ethnic lips. It's almost as if like black women are like, Ooh, I need to get my lips done. Now I don't know what it is, but it's like lips. But before, like maybe about last year, a couple years before, I mean, truly, you know, the brows and you know, brows are still always popular, but I personally, my favorite are areolas and scars. You know, I just really, yeah. yeah. But, you know, I go with what they want. But right now, I would say lips are pretty much. Yeah, it's like we kind of just discovered we can get lips. So it's like, yeah, I get Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) that. Although our lips are, you know, already all plump and full, we just, we want them just a little bit more and yeah, add some color on that too. (laughs) I know. And I'm like, this is weird. I remember when like 10 years ago, I couldn't convince a woman of color to get her lips. So like, oh, no. Like, no, no. My, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're so like, good. I'm good. Yes, I, exactly, <laughs> I'm good. I do not want that. So now it's weird when it's like they're calling and they're like, that's what you want? Okay, all right. That's all right. cool. That's Ooh. cool. So doing like the areola repigmentation or pigmentation, mm-hmm. how's it different for our skin type? Fits, I would say four through six. Like, is it very yeah. different? Because I know matching up the color uh-huh. can be, yes. you know, difficult. Yes. It's different because of the color. We don't have as many color options, but you know, the majority of darker Fitzpatrick, you know, it's going to usually fall in it like brown, taupe, dark brown and so forth. So it is a little bit harder to create 
illusion and shadowing and making a nipple and so forth when you're working with darker pigment than it is lighter pigment. You know, if mm-hmm. you're working on a lighter canvas, you can add shadow, you could throw some white in, you can do all kinds of things and it kind of just pops and pulls off the paper. Um, with darker skin, it's a little bit more, it's not impossible, but it does take, I feel like, a little bit more effort, a little bit more practice. But it's one of those things, too, that we also want. And a lot of people don't understand when it comes to areolar pigmentation is that it's not always from women who may have had breast cancer. Um, mm-hmm. That is probably the most popular reason to get it. But when you asked before, like, what's a most popular service that people request? And I have been getting another one has been just women who like, you know, you age and the color starts to disappear and or sometimes go migrate. Yeah. Or migrate. Yeah. Go migrate. <laughs> right. It's not like circle. It's just kind of, yeah, you it's know. It's not a circle no more, it's girl. It's not a circle right. no more. Like that was in the past. Now something different. So right. they want that kind of touched up and, you know, shaped up and So, you know, we do those little simple things too, but, you know, when working with our skin type, you just have to make sure that you really match the skin and that you're selecting the right colors that will show up in the skin. And one of our biggest things is that we don't keloid. (laughs) Yes, that is a big thing. That that is big. But, you know, most of us know if we keloid or not, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one thing about us, we scared the keloid. Oh, I know. I so know. we know when we keloid, especially like for brows, you know, if we keloid, yes. we just stay away from it because, you know, we definitely don't want keloiding mm-hmm. on our face. Oh, um, no. But yes, that is definitely like one of the important things with uh, Higher Fitzpatrick is the keloiding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we definitely got to avoid that. But yeah, but like I said, that's one of my favorite, my favorite services, especially when it's oh, from a woman who's gone through breast cancer or something like that. It's just to me, it's very rewarding to be able to give that back to a woman just to build up her wholeness and having the background of being able to do scar camouflage. You know, I won't just only do the nipple, but I'll camouflage the scars around there because usually if you've had, you know, you've done a mastectomy it's not just a nipple that's gone. The nipple's gone and now scars are there. So I try to work on everything to make Mm -hmm. it it as close as what it used to look like as possible. Yes, definitely. I love it. I love it. I'm glad I got to speak with you today. It was a pleasure speaking with you. And I learned so much about paramedical and just your story in general. You know, like I told you before the podcast, someone, you know, uh, whispered your name in my ear a couple of years ago. And I'm so glad that I've been following you since then. So can you tell our listeners how they can find out about you or more about your classes and services and where they can follow you? Yes. So I am on Instagram and the academy is AAC um, training, AAC training. And um, 
for Facebook is Academy of Advanced Cosmetics, as well as our website is academyofadvancedcosmetics.com. So they can find us there for any questions or any help. And we would love to be able to help anybody that needs the help. Thanks for joining us this week on Black Girls Blade. Make sure to visit us at our website at www.blackgirlsblade.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Black Girls Blade and never miss an episode. See you again in two weeks for more tips, tricks, strategies, conversations, and interviews.